Kent Online News. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast. Nicola Everett. Hello, hope you're okay. Thanks ever so much for downloading today's podcast. It's Thursday, June the 3rd, another gloriously sunny day across Kent. Our top story today is that the High Court has ruled housing for asylum seekers at a former army base in Kent did not meet minimum standards. Six men who were accommodated at Napier Barracks in Folkestone have won their legal challenge against the government. It comes after Public Health England warned that the site was unsuitable. We've been getting reaction today from Bridget Chapman, who's from the Kent Refugee Action Network. We're delighted that the judge has ruled that the decision to place people in Napier Barracks was unlawful. It backs up what we've been saying all along, which was that the barracks were a totally inappropriate place to accommodate anybody, let alone vulnerable people in a pandemic. So we're really, really pleased. This is great news. The conditions were far worse than that that you would experience in a prison. These people are not criminals. This was supposed to be accommodation where they could come and go freely and would be suitable for them to, to live their lives. It wasn't suitable. Anybody that saw the pictures in the inspection report would have been horrified. I mean, I've seen a response from the Home Office, which I expected, saying that they intend to keep Napier Barracks open. That's shameful. It's time for them to back down and admit that this was a mistake. It's not a suitable place to be housing anybody. They need to close the barracks. They need to do it now. And they shouldn't be planning any other similar facilities. What they're saying is that the, it was a pandemic and they wanted to keep people safe and they had limited options. You know, I find that response, I'll, I'll be honest, I find that response derisory. They kept people in a place where the judge said it was inevitable that there would be an outbreak of covid and that's absolutely disgraceful. They're saying they didn't have any other options. I don't agree. There were, you know, anybody effective, if they really wanted to, would have got people out of there. The fact is they like the optics of it. They think it makes them look tough. I don't know if you know the expression gaslighting, but it means that when somebody who is abusive tries to turn the tables and make the person who's been abused think that they were imagining things. And I think that the Home Office has, has gaslighted many of the people that stayed in Napier Barracks because whilst they've said it was terrible, the Home Office have insisted all the way through that it was absolutely fine. It clearly wasn't fine. It clearly was a dire place to house anybody. This opens the way for legal damages for people that were staying in, in Napier Barracks and I wouldn't blame them at all if they if they took that option but mostly I think they're probably going to be really pleased that finally they've been shown to have been telling the truth. Well the Home Office have issued a statement following today's ruling let me read it to you now it says during the height of the pandemic to ensure asylum seekers were not left destitute additional accommodation was required at extremely short notice. Such accommodation provided asylum seekers a safe and secure place to stay. Throughout this period, our accommodation providers and subcontractors have made improvements to the site and continue to do so. It is disappointing that this judgment was reached on the basis of the site prior to this significant improvement works, which have taken place in difficult circumstances. Napier will continue to operate and provide safe and secure accommodation. We will carefully consider the ruling and our next steps.
Meantime, more than a 1,000 refugees have been intercepted while trying to cross the Channel to Kent over the space of five days. French and British authorities have dealt with 54 small boats since last Friday. The Home Office say they're continuing to crack down on the criminal gangs behind people smuggling. Kent Online News. Some other top stories from Kent Online today and a teenager who's accused of murdering a man in Rochester has told a jury how he borrowed a scene from the TV show Breaking Bad to try to dispose of the body. George Knights claims to have been threatened by Stephen Chapman in the weeks before his death. The 38-year-old was found dumped in a wheelie bin last October. 19-year-old Knights from Delfs Road denies murder and the trial continues. Campaigners say the government needs to look again at its priorities after losing its school's catch-up czar. Sir Kevin Collins resigned when his £15 billion proposal to help make up for lost classes was watered down to £1.4 billion. We led with this on the podcast yesterday, where he's now told the Prime Minister that's not enough. And Alan Brooks, who's chair of the Kent Association of Head Teachers, says a wider approach is needed. If they really wanted to improve the the academic education, then smaller class sizes, actually proper investment to get more people into schools would make far more difference than selecting a certain number of students for a limited amount of tuition. Health bosses in Kent say they're confident of keeping on top of any increase in coronavirus cases. It comes as targeted COVID testing is being carried out in Maidstone after a number of infections linked to the Indian variant were identified in the town. Alison Duggle is Kent's Interim Director of Public Health. What we would like is we would like people that are working in ME14-1 or live within that area to go and get themselves tested. We would also like people that have visited the Quaker Meeting House within the last month to go and get tested. Um, In terms of people in other parts of Maidstone, if we need to start increasing the testing elsewhere, we'll do that. At the moment, we're content that we have the the testing unit in the right place. As I said, we we, we check the data every day so that if we do see anything cropping up, will be on that and sorting that out as well. A mobile unit will be set up on Union Street tomorrow. Surge testing is also underway in Canterbury to see if the mutation is spreading there. Also, we've had news today that Portugal has been removed from the UK's green list of places where you can travel. That means you can't go on holiday to any European country now without having to isolate when you get home. You can see the list of countries included at kentonline.co.uk. A Canterbury student who was given just 2% chance of surviving a crash on the M2 a year ago is set to leave hospital. Macy Window has been treated at London's King's College since her car aquaplaned and hit a tree between Faversham and Sittingbourne. Friends are now raising money so the 20-year-old can move to a specialist rehab centre. Work on building a hydrogen plant in Herne Bay, thought to be the first of its kind in the UK, should start before the end of the year. The multi-million pound facility will be on a disused BMX track in Westbrook Lane, although the pandemic has put it a year behind schedule. When it is up and running, the fuel from the factory will first be trialled on 20 London buses. Lorry drivers going through Kent could continue to face £300 fines if they fail to follow approved routes to the Channel Crossings when Operation Brock is in force. 
powers were brought in as part of Brexit contingency measures in January, but the government says they're keeping arrangements in place to stop hauliers and other commercial drivers cutting queues on the M20. And a trial of electric scooters in Canterbury is being expanded again. Anyone living in areas outside the city centre, including Thannington, Hales Place, Winchip and Harbledown, will now be able to use the bird scooters to get around. This scheme's actually been quite controversial because some people aren't very happy about the vehicles, but they are aiming to cut down on congestion and pollution. There have been concerns, though, raised about safety on roads and pavements. Kent Online reports. Finally today, we're going to be hearing from a group of Kent women who've managed to grow their businesses despite the pandemic. Research out earlier this year showed the number of new businesses registered in the county in 2020 was up 32% on the previous year. There's no doubting it's been a really tough time for many, many companies, but these inspirational women have proved what can be achieved. My name is Natasha and I am the owner of Bell's Boutique. My business is personalised balloons, event decoration and um, gifts. So I started in 2017 after my husband's 40th. Um, but I had really bad postnatal depression with my son and I found that making stuff was like my outlet so I used to do other bits and pieces and then I discovered the love of making balloons. I found the pandemic has really helped to actually grow it. I think because obviously a lot of the high street you couldn't go out and get um, balloons or gifts or cards as easily so I've actually found it's really helped. Um, the only downside I would say is it's quite an easy industry to get into so obviously people have been furloughed so it's become quite saturated um, so it's just about trying to kind of keep on top of it and just sort of just try and be a little bit different to what everyone else is doing we've kind of always had like flower walls and bits and pieces to hire but I think where people haven't been able to celebrate they're kind of really going big with their celebrations now uh, so it's really good it's good to get the opportunity to um, be creative and just go and do some different things that we haven't done before Hi, I'm Danielle and I own Brownie Eye Girl. So I didn't plan on starting a business. Uh, I was furloughed from work in February, March, and uh, decided to start selling brownie boxes for Father's Day last June, just as a hobby, really. I'd always made brownies for people um, just for fun and then set it up for Father's Day with an aim to just do a few boxes and then haven't had a week off since June. I feel like I'm really lucky because furlough enabled me to not have the pressure, financial pressure of setting up a business. It wasn't like, right, I'm going to quit my job, I'm going to start a business, I need to make X amount of money. I had the massive luxury of being able to just see how it went. Um, and it's kind of grown, but naturally grown rather than me having to... I mean, I am pushing it, but it, yeah, I think the financial, not having the financial pressure has massively helped. I intended on doing like... So Father's Day, I think I did like 30 boxes and I was like, right, if I do f at least 15 boxes a week, that'll just tick me over, give me something to do. And it's not, it's like 75 boxes a week now. So yeah, I don't leave my kitchen. They must be good brownies. <laughs> I mean, that's what people tell me. I'm, I don't really eat them anymore because I'm sick of them, but <laughs> lots of people tell me they're good. So I'm Sarah Negus and I'm the owner of Sip at Sisu. My partner owns Sisu Fitness, um, which is a gym in Medway City Estate, and I nagged him to convert the mezzanine area into a coffee shop. So it was just a sort of communal area to begin with, and I thought, let's develop it and help sort of have a space for the members to sort of overflow before and after classes. Um, we started that in 2019, just before the pandemic hit. So yeah, it's a plant-based coffee shop um, with a protein slant on most of our goods being heavy in protein.
To be really honest, it was really, really scary, like a lot of businesses found it. And to begin with, I was just like, okay, it might just be for a short amount of time. But we soon came to realise it wasn't. We couldn't sustain, Not we still had bills to pay. We couldn't sustain just sort of bobbing along and waiting to be open. So we had to be um, really creative in what we delivered. So that's when we started up our Protein Oats subscriptions and deliveries, and we delivered all around Medway. And um, yeah, we kind of turned a negative into a positive, I, I hope. I guess during the pandemic, we had to find ways of sort of empowering each other and social media was a massive part of that. Um, so we sort of started to build a bit of network of these local women that had started up businesses during the lockdown or that just before the lockdown. Um, and yeah, it's been fantastic getting to know them. And actually today's the first day that I've met some of them in person. So um, yeah, I think it's been really positive to, to sort of send a message of empowering women to be in business on their own, but feel like they're together in a, a big group. I'm Ellie, I run Hellebores and Hedgerows. We're a florist and flower farm based in Marden. I started the business at the end of 2018 and the plan initially was to be a wedding florist, um, as that's where I had experience before, but growing all my own flowers and using sort of eco-friendly methods, so no floral foam or anything like that. Um, so 2019 was the setup year, 2020 was meant to be my first sort of opening year and I had quite a few weddings booked um, and obviously they all postponed so I had to sort of take the business in a different direction and now I sort of operate more as like a local florist doing local deliveries and sort of um, flowers for like florists and small events and homes as well as weddings. The whole direction of my business had to change and sort of the plan I had it just didn't work anymore and I sort of I think particularly in 2018 20, 2020 um, I had all these weddings books I didn't know if they were going to postpone I had to keep growing all the flowers for it because um, obviously you start sort of growing stuff like nine months in advance um, and then I ended up with all these flowers that I couldn't use for their initial purpose so I started doing a lot more local stuff and um, selling wholesale to florists as well which is lovely sort of spreading the British flowers everywhere <laughs> it's so lovely to meet other women who sort of know the joy of running your own business but also how difficult it can be and how much sort of hard work you have to put in and how it's a sort of 24-7 job you don't really get to have as much downtime as you would if you were doing just a nine to five but at the same time it's amazing because you're running your own business and you can sort of do what you want with it um, so it's lovely to meet other people who are in the same situation Kent Online Sport England cricketer Ollie Robinson who was born in Kent says he'll continue to educate himself after apologising for racist and sexist tweets he wrote as a teenager the social media post came to light during the opening day of the first test against New Zealand at Lords the Sussex cricketer who's originally from Margate took two wickets on his debut with the visitors resuming today on 246 for three. Well, Robinson has described it as the biggest day of his career and he says he's matured a lot since 2012. On the biggest day of my career so far, I'm embarrassed by the racist and sexist tweets that I posted over eight years ago, which have today become public. I want to make it clear that I'm not racist and I'm not sexist. I deeply regret my actions and I'm ashamed of making such remarks. I was thoughtless and irresponsible and regardless of my state of mind at the time, my actions were inexcusable. Since that period, I've matured as a person and fully regret the tweet. Today should be about my efforts on the field and the pride of making my test debut, but my thoughtless behaviour in the past has tarnished this. Over the past few years, I've worked hard to turn my life around. I've consider considerably matured as an adult. The work and education I've gained personally from the PCA, my County Sussex and England cricket team, 
has helped me to come to terms and gain a deep understanding of being a responsible professional cricketer. I would like to unreservedly apologise to anyone I've offended. My teammates in the game as a whole, in what has been a day of action and awareness in combating discrimination from our sport. I don't want something that happened eight years ago to, to diminish the efforts of my teammates and the ECB as they continue to build meaningful action with their comprehensive initiatives and efforts, which I fully endorse and support. I will continue to educate myself, look for advice and work with the support network that is available to me and to learn more about getting better in this area. I'm sorry and I've certainly learned my lesson today. Staying with cricket and Kent are back in county championship action. They're yet to win a game so far this season and are taking on Northamptonshire at Canterbury. And there's not long to wait until the Euros. So we thought we'd take a look back at England fans enduring the highs and lows of the beautiful game. At Kent Online today, you can see pictures of supporters from the past couple of decades cheering on the national side in pubs across the county. We've also got a link to the big screens in Kent that will be showing the games when they happen. Well, that's all for today. Thanks ever so much for listening. Don't forget to follow us on our socials. That's Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. Plus, you can subscribe to the IM News app, which will give you access to all of KM Group's newspapers. Just head to subsaver.co.uk. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast.